Hello and welcome to the That's So Region podcast. I'm your host, Dan Reardon, night editor of the Times in Northwest Indiana. A little short staff this week, but I'm joined, as always, by... Krista Zivanovic, features editor, news editor, shoe aficionado, and theater lover. And Joseph S. Pete, Space Force cadet, who is immediately going to enlist in the Space Force because, yeah. <laughs> uh, I will not be for religious reasons. Uh, the first topic is a story that's, uh, we've had a lot of big news this week, but, but one that's gotten a lot of people's tragic. attention, some tragic news. Uh, one that's gotten a lot of people's attention is this lakeshore access uh, kerfuffle in Long Beach. Um, it seems like uh, recently there was an incident where someone, we don't know who, hired a private security guard to, to shoo beachgoers off the beach in spite of an Indiana State Supreme Court ruling. What do we, what do we think about this, Krista? Well, I'll, I'll just give you a few more details. Yeah, the Indiana, uh, a, a couple who lived in Long Beach who no longer lived there, they no longer even own the home, sued and went forward with the suit because they had a lot of backers who thought they'd have a chance. Uh, they said that the beach that uh, abuts their property is theirs, and the Indiana Supreme Court cited precedent and the state constitution and a lot of other things saying that the beach really belongs to everyone for recreation, for walking along, and that um, they thought that should settle it. And now it turns out that there is an appeal. The side note is the couple is appealing, even though they don't own the beachfront property anymore. So I would think there might be a question of standing, but they're appealing it to the uh, U.S. Supreme Court. And everybody's kind of interested because Chief Justice Roberts grew up in Long Beach and he's the Chief Justice now. Whether they'll take it, well, that remains to be seen, but it's kind of juicy. Apparently, it's the Homeowners Association, the Long Beach Homeowners Association, who hired a security guard to ask people to leave the beach and to go to the bus stop. Um, and someone who represents another group of Long Beach residents was horrified by this. And he said in his quote in the story that that really harms the, if something like that were to occur, it would harm the property value of everyone else because they kind of all use the beach. If you live in Long Beach, you're allowed to park in the beach parking lot. No one else is, only residents. And it turned out to be, he said, she said, because he mentioned, well, he said, he said, he mentioned uh, a resident of Long Beach who's been there for eight years who was part of this group and was with the security guard trying to tell people to leave. And the resident claimed we got a hold of him and spoke with him, and he insisted he did not, that he just want, he was on his property. He did not say for purposes of the story, but he did say later when we talked to him that he was just all, they weren't being asked to leave the beach, they were just being asked to go to the bus stop. So it's kind of a crazy mixed up story, but basically it does appear because the police chief said they were called out there and the police officer did say, do not, uh, you cannot ask people to leave the beach, it is public property. And the guy was, the, the one guy who was concerned said, who knows how many people left the beach thinking that that's the law and that the homeowners mm -hmm. own the beach. So it's a juicy, uh, vicious battle that uh, might continue because the lakefront homeowners really think the beach is theirs. They claim they pay taxes on it and that they it's, it's theirs. 
What, Joseph, what do you think? This, oh. this story has a lot of tentacles to it, especially if the Supreme Court decides to, to take this case, doesn't it? Yeah, as I understand it, it have pretty far-reaching implications because you have, like, Chicago is considered one of the great cities with the lakefront access because it's part of Daniel Burnham's plan originally that, like, forever the lakefront would remain public and open to all. Right. And that's the way it's been understood in Indiana for some time, except for, like, the steel mills where, you know, the, uh, various reasons. But all the beaches have generally been considered public. This would have potentially, like, far-reaching implications <clears throat> if it were, you know, some of this were developed and um, turned into private property. But the, it, it does take a lot of, like, audacity, I guess, to, like, openly defy an Indiana Supreme Court ruling and then, you know, try to kick the plebs off your beach or whatever. But it was, the occasion was, it was the Grand Prix boat race in Michigan in City, Michigan City mm-hmm. right there. And it's, it's kind of like an air show where, you know, there are tons of people going out to the beaches. Right. They claim they get even, like, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of visitors uh, to this big, like, over the course of the weekend to this event. They also have other stuff like the food festival and everything. But you've got all these, like, speedboats going 140 miles an hour, and it's a big to-do. And apparently they brought them out, like, specifically to, you know, keep people from viewing the, the races there. But, I mean, the Indiana Supreme Court was clear. It's not clear whether the Supreme Court's going to take this up, and but it's been established that you know these are public and open to everybody, not just to to select few. I mean, it's sure, and I think the cartoonish way to maybe look at it is, is you know, one percenters versus the rest of us, but uh, or maybe the fifteen percent, maybe the fifteen percenters. <laughs> um, to be to be sort of a contrarian for a minute, though, if you owned this property, wouldn't you want not want people on the beach as you're looking out from your balcony and things like that? Just Let's try and empathize with the 15 percenters for a minute. Despite the ruling, do you think they have a point even? Oh, I'm sure they do. The one gentleman said that he, the property owner, we had documented and put in the story in 2014, he went to uh, the town council to complain about loudness, brashness, drunkenness, you know, bad behavior at all hours of the night and morning. Um, But by the same token, we have 45 miles of beach, that's it, in Northwest Indiana. Right. And the implications, you can't just look at the, quote, poor homeowner. Uh, apparently, the when the lawsuit goes to the Supreme Court, they're looking at including all the Great Lakes. So now you're involving Wisconsin, Michigan, Minnesota. They rely, they rely on their shoreline. They rely on being able to have a public shoreline, even if the homes that abut the beach are private uh, for... For recreation, probably uh, even it's it's a more of a financial issue for them even than maybe an Indiana shoreline. So while I can empathize, uh, I also feel like it's you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, it, at the end of the day, kind of you absurd a home if you're going to walk along the beach and now there are homes there. So what are you going to have to go in the water and risk getting the undertow to stop your right? Beach it's, it's it's definitely um, you know first world problems. For these <laughs> well owners. put, it is a first world problem. Uh, the uh, well, the um, uh, it reminds me a bit of the people who buy homes near airports and then complain about all the right. noise and everything. <laughs> like, these beaches have always been public. Um, they've always been, you know, if, if you buy that, you have to know that going in. People sure. in like a lot of beachfront neighborhoods, like Miller, never have these problems. There's never any tensions. It's just understood that people are going to go to the beach and you have the home for the view but the people are going to be using the beach and it's the the crowds are like pretty thin usually near the parts where there's not as much sand near the parts where you have homes and so forth 
and it you know I will I when I read that I kind of almost wonder if some of these accounts are like exaggerated about the supposed bad behavior of the uh, the beachgoers or if they just feel that they spent so much on a house for a view. I think and it's that. that. Think I think they're it's They're offended the by letter. any. Right. They're it, offended by yeah. the sight of anybody and, you know. In a cut-off um, t-shirt or. Yeah. And it is, you know, a, like a lot of things in the world and especially in this country and the history of lawsuits in this country is competing interests, you know. We do, we have a real profound respect for private property in this country. We have more homeowners in our middle class than many other first world nations. But you also have something that in the past we've respected deeply and that's the public interest in having right. public spaces so it's it's juicy uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah it would be particularly devastating too to like uh, uh, this point I was, was forgetting that I wanted to make uh, to expand on what Christo was saying is like somewhere like western Michigan like pretty much the entire economy is like tourism right. like they rely upon having public beaches right. that anybody can go to and you have right. a million like little wineries and bed and breakfasts and the whole economy is built around the expectation that people are going to come to and visit it, these public it beaches. It sure doesn't seem to stop the home prices going up of the homes that are on those beaches. No, not at all. You know, yeah, they, they don't seem to be impeded by Demand, it. exactly. Yeah. And beachfront homes are often even second homes. It's usually not the primary residence. It's right. often, like a lot of people, like Miller, a lot of those homes are owned by like Chicagoans who spend most of the year in Chicago and just come out for, you know, a week here or there during the summer. So it's like to, to restrict it. I, I don't know, but yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of uh, second homes, I'm, I'm I'm assuming Gucci Mane, <laughs> the uh, trap the trap music music legend, has uh, uh, a, a few homes. I don't know if any of them are on lakes, but uh, uh, him and uh, another rap famous rapper Ti are getting set to play in Hammond. I know Chris is a big fan. Celebrates their, <laughs> celebrates their entire catalog, um, but. Uh, into the I had to look it up. He's had twelve albums. Uh, but they're uh, they're coming to Wolf Lake Pavilion. It's a big gift for them, and uh, not so much a focus on Gucci Mane or Ti, but sort of in a macro sense. Joseph, what do you what do you think this could mean for for that as a major venue? Well, Hammond has big ambitions. Um, anyone who's out at Festival of Lakes this year would have noticed, or has been to the park recently. Like they built this really nice pedestrian bridge over Calumet. It says like Hammond in big letters. It says Wolf Lake in big letters. They have this like beautiful new video sign that's like huge. And the big difference is what's relevant with the, you know, it used to be more accessible to get in and out of uh, Festival of the Lakes, but they uh, figured out how to fence it so they can kind of control all the in and out through a couple entrances where you get searched by police or whatever. You know, they don't want fights or weapons or that kind of thing. But now they've basically been able to turn it from a more open kind of space into a space that can also, you know, in a snap be used to host like, you know, concerts and everything. And that's the ambition that they have, especially now with the Star Plaza closing. Uh, the mayor is quite open. He sees it as potentially like another um, Ravinia. It wouldn't be the same programming necessarily or the same types of acts, but <clears throat> like a popular outdoor mm -hmm. like music venue. He's hoping that this is the first time when they bring those acts in for Fest of the Lakes, he's made the point, yeah, they're maybe 5, 10, 15 years out of like kind of popularity. But T.I. right now is at the height of popularity. There, he was like on the main stage at Lollapalooza. I mean, Gucci Mane. Yeah, Gucci Mane, I'm sorry. Yeah, but he's been he's on the main stage at Lollapalooza, and there are like million people watching him. They Some of those crowd shots were insane. Right. He's been he's been around for a while, but he's pretty. He just got out of prison recently, and he's fairly prolific, and he does a lot of like collaborations, and he's has a lot of like longevity and staying power, and he's built up cred over time. But now they're starting to get acts where these are currently relevant acts. These are acts that you know people would potentially travel to see from throughout Chicagoland, 
And the city is looking at this as like a money-making venture. They're trying to bring in a big name rock band too. And they want to, you know, tickets for this will start at 30, goes all the way up to 100, I think. And they're hoping that they'll be able to sell enough tickets to turn a profit off of this. And then they can continue to have big shows. So it kind of like be almost a Northwest Indiana version of like t the Tinley Park Amphitheater mm -hmm. or the Ravinia. Obviously, you know, you're not going to have as many concerts right off the bat. And you're, you know, you're not going to have as many like big names. You don't have the same reputation, but you know, it takes time to get there. But he's making the point if they can start bringing in like 20,000 people, he's hoping they can kind of maybe bring in like the Elton Johns of the world. I don't know that there's a guarantee that Elton John will ever play. Like he's probably more likely to be at like Wrigley Field or somewhere, right. but the, you know, they're putting it out there as another potential concert venue. This is a big thing too lately because Northern Island started doing this in uh, up in Chicago and then they're looking at um, Goose Island's going to be redeveloped to where they're looking at like two different ones owned by Live Nation. But the Mary McDermott's like they're trying to like interest Live Nation potentially in Wolf Lake as like a permanent venue too. Because I guess the Live Nation president was there when Nas was playing, and that was a huge show at Festival Lakes. People, it was packed. People were really excited. There was a lot of enthusiasm, and they're trying to showcase. Like, hey, this, this could be a legitimate concert venue going forward. Krista, what do you think about I, this? I don't see any reason why they can't try and make a go of it and succeed along the lines Joseph's talking about. I mean, Ravinia is in the North Shore. They've been associated with the Chicago Symphony forever right. and with high-end acts. So, you know, we're not, you know, naive enough to compare it to Ravinia, but a Tinley Park outdoor venue or whatever. And I can see Live Nation looking at it. It's really pretty. They've done a nice job with it. They've kind of capitalized on kind of the prairie school, you know, look and feel of it. Right. And I don't see why it couldn't, you know, I think that they're, they're doing it right. They're taking it slow. They're, you know, trying to do some test cases. So, you know, I think we really, in Northwest Indiana, we kind of do have a complex and we're kind of proud of it. But, and I, and God knows I knock us all the time and I knock our lack of vision. So I'm not going to knock this at all. I think it's a really great vision. And who knows, maybe eventually they'll even consider doing lofts in those old buildings on, yeah. you know, Holman <laughs> Avenue yeah. for uh, empty nesters and for young people and do some other hip and cool things. I know that there are certain people in that Holman Avenue corridor who are really trying mightily, the, the Toll Theater and uh, the El Taco Real groupies and... Um, 18th Street Brewery is And like 18th Street, exactly. And Paul Henry's been sticking it out and trying to have open mic nights. So, I mean, anything can happen, and I think we should support it, and I'm going to. Yeah, I think I, I think there's nothing wrong with, with uh, our civic leaders having big vision. Yeah. Things, you know, and... Uh, as someone who's gone to plenty of concerts at Tinley Park, getting in and out of there is a nightmare. So yeah. if there's another option, uh, I'm all for it. Uh, if, if you had to pick a name of a television show f that features the region... Uh, <laughs> Excellent segue. Too Stupid to Die might be the perfect title for that yeah. said television show on MTV. Um, <laughs> Joseph, this is your baby, so how, do, how about you uh, explain what the hell I'm talking about? Oh, ex all right, yeah. There is a, um, there's a local group of kids, uh, mainly from Hobart, where um, they started doing... Uh, they started doing... Um, like stunts. And yeah, and stunts. Pranks, things it, like that. Kind so. of modeled a little bit after Jackass. The TV and, show with Johnny Knoxville and all those guys, Bam Margera, and uh, quite the franchise. I think that that franchise has made oh, tens of millions of dollars, hasn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And it's um, 
Yeah, but it's uh, it was uh, it was kind of the brainchild of um, the Hobart kid. Yeah. Oh, Zach Holmes. Yeah, sorry. Okay, Zach Holmes. Um. Yeah. Okay. Maybe you can just edit that out. Uh, uh, skateboard, um, skate ramp, and he kind of fell and uh, hit himself in the crotch. And he did one where he was with uh, one of the members of the Jackass crew, and they skateboarded into a cactus together. He said it was like three months before he was able to uh, pick everything out. Um, he's just really found a wide audience online. Some of his videos are like considered so dangerous that they've been banned from YouTube for encouraging you know too much dangerous behavior or whatever. But it's him uh, help. You know, he's built up this huge following on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. He's got huge social media following, more than two hundred ninety-one thousand followers on Instagram. He posts a lot of you know fun videos on there, and um, they're doing crazy stuff on the the trailer that was just released by MTV. The show comes out like later this uh, later this month. They're, they're stuff it's, like wait. Let's let's let people know. I think you have in your story nine p.m. this Sunday night, August twelfth on, on oh, MTV. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, yes. so it's sooner than we think. And how about the uh, the description released by MTV that it's set in rural uh, Indiana? Oh yeah, that's. Oh, yeah, I did find that kind of objectionable. <laughs> like he's uh, they filmed it. They filmed it all over Indiana. Apparently, some of it was shot in Gary. Some of it was shot in Hobart. Some in Lake Station. Um, a couple other region venues. They also shot it downstate in like Indianapolis and Broad Ripple and Carmel right. and places. And you don't really see many recognizable trailer or um, recognizable um, landmarks from what he said, but because it, it's more just them hanging out. But it's like uh, I don't know. The rural thing strikes me as marketing from right. uh, New York, where they're not familiar with the area. But he made the point that they do crazy stuff because they're basically like bored teenagers right. when they're at Hobart. But it's also like the show seems fun, and I'm congratulate the guy on his success, and it's amazing. But it's like, you, I mean, you, you, when you're even Hobart, you live close to one of like the third largest city in the U.S. You could head up there and do all kinds of things. It's not like this area is like some kind of wasteland where it's devoid of like ways to occupy. I know when a teenager, it can feel that way, even if you're in like right. Manhattan or something. But like you know that you know there's there is plenty to do here, but. Uh, yeah, but he's, you know, um, he's always just really enjoyed just doing these pranks and stunts. And it's it's crazy, crazy stuff like rat traps to the face, um, like doing golf cart um, uh, jousting, like setting off explosions. There was one in the trailer where they drive a car into like a bus and it explodes. It's like, it seems pretty out there. They're hitting him it's with not, like It's not high art, but it's, yeah. it's got an audience. And it seems like he's following the template that, that you need to follow now to, to become successful. Build a social media following, a TV show or, or other projects seem to follow. Um, so, you know, uh, lesson to you kids out there in the region, <laughs> you know, get on the gram, get on Twitter, build a following, <laughs> and uh, you could, you too could have a TV show on MTV. Um, we're going to cut a little short this week. We're, we're short Carrie Erickson. Uh, we miss her. She's out in Seattle in right Seattle. now. Seattle, poor Carrie. Yeah, we you feel know, so bad yeah, for her. She's not in the region. Hopefully, she's stuck sleeping well in Seattle. <laughs> so, <ba-dum-bum-tsh. laughs> enjoy the veal. I'll be here all week. <laughs> make sure to tip your waitresses. Yeah, make sure to tip so, your waitresses. So, uh, before we go, let's uh, let's do our recommendations. Uh, we'll start with Krista. I have nothing to recommend. Everything that I've seen ends this weekend, or it's already ended. So I'm kind of sad. I'm like just not just don't have my act together this week sorry 
Well, we got a few things going on this weekend, Joseph. You had mentioned the Beatles Fest was going oh, on. Oh, yeah. Beatles Fest is coming up in downtown Hammond. It's uh, They have American English. They played a lot locally. They're considered one of the better like Beatles cover bands. That'll be downtown, kind of the home in Sibley area. It takes It's a street party. It takes over. Um, worth going there if you're into uh, their music, and they do have a pretty wide following. Um, then... Also, I would recommend. I don't know when it ends, but that Ann Landers play at the Theater of the Center. I saw that the other week. It was pretty good. Yeah, it's it was. Good. Yeah, it was. I don't uh, know when that ends either. It was. Uh, I'm not. I'm not honestly not sure when it ends, but it's a one woman show. But it's very good retrospective of her career and everything. Kind of kept good slice of American history. Uh, just very well done. Um, I'd also recommend coming up. Uh, they're going to have a new exhibit at the Marshall Gardner Center featuring or featuring like nature exhibits. And the cool thing that they're doing that's pretty unique is they're going to have like a plain air painting day. That's where they like they paint outside and everything. And it's going to be on um, August 25th. They're going to have painters. They're going to be throughout the entire neighborhood. They're going to be painting. And then they're going to do a show at the like an impromptu show at the uh, Marshall Gardner Center where you can literally buy what they were painting that day from like 6 to 9 p.m and meet and chat with some of the artists and you know it's been a, it's attracted artists for years because the opportunities to originally like do the landscape painting and that kind of stuff out there so that should be a kind of a cool um event and then also i would recommend um the south shore has that new industrial exhibit where they have a lot of really cool photos of like the south side of chicago and northwest that. indiana and it's it features um some watercolor paintings but a lot of it's just like photography and it's just really compelling like dramatic black and white looks at like the gritty industrial landscape they find the beauty and everything from like train tracks to you know steel mills and a lot of it's like very uh visually striking um and then i would recommend uh well you know let, yeah. me, let me let me hop in with two quick recommendations one's a shameless plug for our newspaper uh, Sunday, in the lifestyle section, we're going to have a feature on uh, 10 things to do. 10 things to do from Lake County to Porter County, and maybe even there's one Illinois one. Kind of like the end of the summer, if you haven't done this yet, do it. And there might be some things you don't know about or haven't yeah, thought about. Kind of a summer bucket list. Yeah, almost. really kind of fun. But, you know, we know school is starting, and maybe before homework gets you bogged down, go yourself, take your kids. Yeah, get lost in the region for yeah, a day. You yeah, yeah. And then I need to make my Matt Schubert Memorial Netflix pick. <laughs> uh, that will be this we week. We miss you, Matt. We miss you, Matt. Uh, this, this week it will be uh, Last Chance You. It's a series on Netflix about... Uh, these community colleges that uh, bring in sort of hard luck cases for their football teams, and it's 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 pretty good. It's more than just a sports show. It sort of delves into race, politics, sort of socio-economic stuff. So um, I'm sure Matt's seen it um, in his new dwellings in uh, Denver. So uh, that's going to be it this week for that oh, sort I got, of region. I got one more recommendation. The one, the main one that I forgot about. On uh, Monday, the thir August 13th, I highly recommend trying to make your way out to uh, the Millennium Park to the Jay Pritzker Pavilion um, right downtown. It's not very far from the last South Shoreline Station. Quick walk if you want to take the train. But they are having the uh, the annual free Broadway in Chicago oh, summer concert that's good. where you can see it's like great venue. Frank Gehry designed like Banchel, one of the best skylines in the United States. And then you can get a free preview of a lot of the 
like Broadway songs like from Dear Evan Hansen and Ronald Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Miss Saigon, a lot of the other stuff. If you're going to go to those plays, it might be worth it to kind of get the taste of it. Even if you're not going to go, you can go see it for free. Those shows are pretty expensive and they're not everybody's cup of tea. But even if you don't like musicals, it's kind of like this flight. It's a sampler. It's and really so cool. It's, yeah, it's worth checking out. I've oh, seen it before. And one last on that note. Apparently, I have yet to try this, but I can speak for the place. It's legit. There is Relish in downtown Griffith, which sells um, you know, hot dogs, like vegan Chicago dogs, some interesting ones. But now they have unleashed a hot dog flight, which sounds pretty amazing and which I am looking forward to trying. Only in the region. Uh, sometimes. I yeah. love the idea of a hot dog flight. And my obligatory grindhouse plug, just very briefly, will be oh they have the gosh. nihilist. Um, they have a play on, or they have nihilist Arby. They have a play on the nihilist Arby's um, uh, Twitter account where they have a beef sandwich with like cheddar and onions and barbecue sauce and like a croissant that's uh, paying homage to, it's called Nihilus Beef or something, it's paying homage to the Twitter account and it's pretty uh, dang good but anyway, that's my obligatory plug for them. <laughs> I literally understood 30% of what you just said um, we're going to go ahead and call it's a good it a, Twitter account too. we're going to go ahead and call it a night then uh, Joseph, before you log off, so, got something to say? Uh, yes, I do whether on space or earth or space force, keep it reading see ya